You're listening to Nathan Chansky, and this is the Passion with Purpose podcast. So today, I am taking the podcast rather personal, very personal, I might say. I know uh, that mental health is a big topic of many people's lives today, and uh, I wanted to share my story that I've really never shared before uh, publicly with mental health, specifically the time in my life where I dealt with chronic anxiety. And, you know, I can't say that I am, you know, cured forever of my battle with anxiety, but I do believe that I have come a long way, praise God. And I just wanted to share a glimpse of that story with whoever may need to hear it. And, you know, I want to share this episode to uh, maybe make someone out there who's listening feel less alone to give you some practical steps I took that really helped me come out of that place. And then maybe someone just needs to hear hope. If you feel like you cannot see any light at the end of a dark tunnel of mental health battles, I know I have been in that exact place where I just I just needed hope because I had none in that regard. And so I won't say everything right on this episode. I will just like disclaimer there. I am not a doctor, um, but I am here to just tell my story. And so if you are willing to stick around for that, keep on listening and let's get into it. You're listening to the Passion with Purpose podcast for all you creators, dreamers, and doers out there. My name is Nathan Chansky, photographer, business coach, and your host. After building my photography business and nearly giving up after a rough first couple of years, with God's help, I transformed my business from the inside out and became the multi-six-figure business owner with you here today. New episodes drop weekly covering everything I've learned in this exhilarating game of business and life while bringing on some of the industry's experts in the process, all to help you build your business and life of your fullest God-given potential. Welcome to the show, my friend. You know, it's... Very interesting making an episode like this. I have really put off making this episode for, I feel like, a whole host of reasons. Maybe because, number one, it's like very vulnerable to share, obviously, and because it's just so personal. And um, maybe number two, because it feels, uh, it feels like, I, it feels really un- intense going back and like describing these things in like even my story. And then, yeah, like number three, I guess I don't want to say something that's like wrong or say something that like doesn't uh, actually help somebody or maybe isn't, you know, someone else's story or whatever. But I guess what I do know is that I I believe that so many people go through these types of things and... I, I mean, I know so many people go through these types of things. Uh, and there is such an epidemic of mental health issues in our society these days. And yeah, it's crazy. So that it's it's a really big reason why I want to make an episode like this. I I'm very passionate about this because I have lived in a place where I really struggled with uh, different mental health struggles, right? Especially the biggest one for me being anxiety. I'm not exempt from 
these types of things and these types of experiences. Uh, and so I'll just say, you know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. I am not an expert. But I really just kind of want to tell my story here today. And if that can encourage someone, if that can help someone, if, you know, I'm going to even list some things at the end that are almost like practical steps that I've taken in my life that have really helped me. Uh, if I can help you, I think that that's, I think that that's worth taking the risk of like potentially saying something that's like not perfectly right or not perfectly, uh, I don't know, like I'm maybe not the one to say it or something like that, but I really want to make this episode maybe just to at least make someone else feel seen. So I, as I said, hi, I have mainly like the main mental health symptom that I have experienced in my life and battled with is anxiety. And, you know, I haven't really dealt with depression very much. I think I have dealt with depression in very specific instances uh, that were confined to certain periods of my life, maybe over the course of like a week, not a week, like weeks to months, in not necessarily like years or anything like that. Um, whereas anxiety has definitely been something that I have dealt with on, on far longer of a basis. Okay. Uh, and my story really starts with anxiety, I would say in college. And what's actually really interesting is I remember when I was younger, I never really struggled with anxiety at all. I remember thinking to myself, like, it's so interesting that people struggle with anxiety or that people are just super stressed and, you know, whatever. Cause I'm like, that doesn't, I don't resonate with that. You know, like as a, as a kid, I just never understood that. And I do think, by the way, it's really important to distinguish. I, I think anxiety is different from stress. I think stress is kind of the result of you feeling, uh, almost like you have a lot going on. And so you feel like it's hard to juggle everything. Whereas anxiety is kind of worry and fear that's very irrational. Like it kind of has nothing, uh, it's, it's, it's not really, there's not a lot of, uh, warranted truth behind it in a lot of senses. Sometimes there is, but sometimes there's really just not. And so this all really started for me. My, my journey with anxiety, my battle with anxiety started in college. So this was a while back for me. And I was about 19 or 20 at the time when this really started. And I had gone to a college that really challenged me. You know, I, when I was in elementary school or when I was in high school, I hadn't really struggled with grades at all. I was kind of like a pretty easy straight A student. And I, you know, just kind of had to put in like an A for effort, uh, type, you know, effort. And then I'd get the grades, you know, and it was great. But then I went to a college and the college really, really, pushed me and challenged me, right? And they had a very high standard for uh, their students. And yeah, it was not easy. I'll just be honest. And I was not... like The biggest thing was I was not a good test taker. (laughs) And so I remember I just had a lot of anxiety over my grades for and, and over just life for the first time. And I had this fear that I was going to somehow not be able to make it through college. I had this fear that I wasn't going to pass my classes. I had this fear that I was going to make my parents upset with me. 
um, I had like so many fears, right? And um, it's not that a lot of them weren't warranted. Like a lot of this was actually like it was scaring me because a lot of this was actually happening. Like there was like my first semester, I had to drop out of a class because I was not failing it, but like almost failing it basically. By the way, that class was German, which I feel so bad about because my heritage is German. So I feel like I, I feel like I failed my heritage. Um, but I, it was a very, it was like an immersion German course. And so it was just like very, very difficult. And the instructor didn't even like speak any English. And so I was just like, yeah, language is not my strong suit. Um, but anyways, I remember I had to drop out of that class and it was devastating for me. I was like, I am, I remember like, yeah, it was just not good. I had a lot of pressures from outside influences and yeah, it was not a great time. And so I remember having kind of, I mean, I remember having like panic attacks for the first time where I like, I don't even want to go into what like happened because it it's just not something I want to like go into, but um, the symptoms were really scary and the symptoms were things I had never dealt with before. And it was, it was awful. And then really interestingly enough, then my anxiety over grades had kind of morphed into, or it's not even it morphed because I still had anxiety over grades, but it also went into hypochondria actually. So hypochondria, if you don't know what that means, it's basically somebody who has an irrational fear of their body uh, not functioning correctly. So an irrational fear that they have maybe like a terminal illness or disease or something wrong with them that they just don't know about. And if they would just go see a doctor, like the doctor would tell them, you know, X, Y, Z. And so I remember I had like chronic hypochondria, if that's a thing. And I felt like I couldn't stop thinking about like, what if X, Y, Z is wrong with me? I remember at college, I would go to the, uh, the college nurse like weekly and I'd be like, asking her like, okay, I think this is wrong with me. I think this is wrong with me. And I remember one time she just like sat me down and I I think she knew what was going on and that I was like just so irrationally wrapped up in this hypochondria and anxiety. And she was like, dude, you, you need to like calm down. Like you are healthy as a horse. You are totally fine. If something was wrong, your body would probably alert you to it. And you need to, you need to calm down, right? It, and it's so interesting too, because during that time as well, I actually started developing symptoms that would reflect what I thought I had. So for instance, like if you have a terminal illness, oftentimes your body will react with like, uh, you know, being incredibly, incredibly exhausted 24 seven, or you might have like night sweats if you have some sort of infection or, uh, you know, disease in your body that your body's trying to fight. And maybe you are just constantly in this state of, yeah, like exhaustion and just, uh, just feeling like draggy and all this kind of stuff. And it's so interesting and like sinister how this anxiety produced those symptoms in me. It's like my body subconsciously adapted to what my mind believed, which is also like, if you ever hear me talk about the subconscious mind and how the subconscious mind truly has so much power over your actions and your body, it's a thing. Like it is really, truly a thing that your body can produce the symptom 
that the brain thinks it should be having. It's like really sinister. It's awful. Anyways, I remember just kind of a random random moment that happened to me in my life during this time. I remember going on this, it was kind of like a church camp trip that I had went on with my the the youth group that I was part of at this time at my church. And it was in Yosemite National Park. And we had, yeah, we'd kind of just gone like off the grid and just, you know, just to do a lot of like hiking and sightseeing and all this kind of stuff with a bunch of friends from the group. And I think I was about like 20, maybe at the time, maybe 21, something like that. And I remember at this time, there was this guy who was kind of one of the leaders there. And it was so interesting because he didn't really know me at all. Like, and no, I'm saying like he didn't know me before this trip. So he knew me slightly, but only because of the trip. And we had never really exchanged anything even on the trip. Like I felt like we hadn't talked at all, but I felt, I, I just thought it was so, so interesting. And this, this word that he gave me just stuck with me to this day. And it was during this time where we in a group were kind of putting one person in like the hot seat, quote unquote. And then we'd all like, you know, give them a word of encouragement or something like that over their life. And I just remember, um, this guy, like this, uh, this, this, this person who was, um, gosh, the chaperone. I think that's what the name, (laughs) I think that's the name. Um, but I remember he kind of had caught wind that I had struggled with anxiety a little bit. And I remember him saying to me, he said, Nate, he's like, I don't know why I'm saying this to you, but, uh, I believe I need to say this to you. This is kind of just maybe a word that the Holy Spirit gave me or something. He said, your spiritual enemy is keeping you trapped in anxiety because he is scared of who you could be if you ever broke free of it. And I just remember, like, I still get like chills when I even like read that back to myself. Um, because I remember it was so incredibly true. Like it was like, this moment where I had realized that there was spiritual warfare going on in my anxious mind. And, uh, you know, like I know, I don't, I know a lot of people listening to my episodes don't believe in like the spiritual world, maybe or God or whatever. But I really do think that is a big part of anxiety is that there is an enemy out there who wants to bring, uh, bring your, mind down and who wants to, um, honestly just like end you with, with the anxious thoughts. And so it was just a very pivotal thing that someone said to me. And I, I just wanted to share that, I guess, in case anybody feels like that might resonate for them as well. Um, so anyway, I, I later on kept dealing with anxiety, uh, a lot between 2018, 2019. And this is when I was more like, Oh, I don't know what I was at this age, maybe like 23, 24. Um, and it really only got, I wish I could say like, and I was better. And like after college, it all went away, but like it really didn't. (laughs) Um, and so I dealt with it a lot between 2018 and 2019 and it, it got very bad at this point. And if you've heard like my first episode on my story, um, you'll know that 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 period was really rough for me, especially even like, because that was when I was starting going full time as a photographer for the first time, like great timing. This was also just like, to give you a little bit of a window without like fully sharing everything. This was just a very pivotal time in my life. And there was a lot going on personally. And 
just to be honest with you, things were really dark for me at that time in my life, like very, very dark. And I remember that was the first time that I had felt depression uh, for the first time. And it was scary. And I, you know, would wake up in the morning and I felt like I didn't want to eat. I felt like I didn't, I felt like I didn't even want to get out of bed. And it, it, it was just awful. It was just like a lot. And, um, but the anxiety truly was like the worst at this point. Then cut to 2020. That was when the world itself <laughs> seemed to spiral out of control for obvious reasons. And I made the grave mistake of watching so much news during 2020. I feel like we all did and we all regret it, but we did it. And, um, it caused so much, so much anxiety and so much more like, is the world ending type thoughts. Um, and again, through all of this, I was trying to run a business. And if you have ever tried to run a business or maybe are running a business yourself through the lens of your daily anxiety battles, <laughs> it's so hard. And it was very, very difficult to uh, try to progress at all. And this is really like 2020 is when I kind of had this moment of like what felt like stagnation because I just wasn't growing as a business and I had just gone full-time the year before and it was like, it was really sad, right? And um, I just remember these symptoms that I had, like I remember so vividly, like I had such low energy. I had panic attacks, especially uh, like maybe at nights, not every day, but it was, it was, Every once in a while, like if something really set me off, I would potentially have like a panic attack. I would, I had massive, massive weight loss. Like I could barely keep weight on because I wasn't hungry ever. Like I had to shove food down because I, I just didn't have any appetite. Um, and I also have a really fast metabolism. And so that didn't help either. Um, and then I remember for, uh, like for long, long periods on end, I had a, like cold night sweats, cold, cold sweats, night sweats, whatever they're called. I just remember waking up like drenched. Like, honestly, if there, there would be like an occasional, um, day where I would, or morning where I would wake up and I wasn't like in a cold sweat or I hadn't like changed clothes throughout the night because I was so wet or something, or I hadn't had that feeling of like tension in my body. And I would be so excited because I was like, I had a normal sleep. Um, I remember such, I remember having like such weak limbs and I felt like my, I felt like I would wake up in the morning and my legs just felt like they were going to fall out from under me constantly. And I had to just like pretend like I was, you know, standing strong on my two feet when I, I didn't feel like that at all. Um, my body constantly felt tense and like from my fingertips to like my toes just felt like it, it had just run a mile. Like it was just like, so like such tension, almost like I had been in, I don't know, a place where like a, like, I don't know. I don't know how to say anything, but just almost like I'd been in a very traumatic experience and I just walked away from that. And that's how my limbs were feeling like 24 <laughs> seven. Okay. It was just not, not fun. Um, and of course I had like insomnia, um, like chronic indigestion, which was awful. 
it's really interesting because even talking about these things makes me very nervous because it kind of brings it all back. It really does. And it's not fun. It, it even makes me like not anxious to bring it all back, but if I dwelt on it too long, I feel like it would. And, um, I hope this isn't like triggering anybody. Maybe it is. Maybe I'll put a trigger warning like in the, uh, beginning of this episode as the, as at the intro, <laughs> because yeah, it's not fun. And some of you maybe like really resonate with a lot of this. Um, and I remember during this time, I just really struggled with how I would pray to God so often and I wouldn't get immediate healing. And I, I wanted like this miraculous healing from anxiety and I wouldn't get it. And, um, I, I battled this anxiety for years, like truly for years, probably for a solid five years. Yeah. Um, and then, so at this time, like during, uh, especially, 2019 and 2020, those were the years when Kayla and I were really like dating and in the pre-marriage relationship. And so because that was such an important part of my life, obviously, to like be dating my future wife, I felt a lot of volatility in that part of my life because it was so emotionally attached and it was so involved and intimate, right? With somebody, um, not, not physically intimate. We were not physically intimate until marriage. However, um, it was one of those situations where it was like, you are giving so much emotional intimacy away. And it felt a lot like, uh, just, just being, it felt like being with somebody halfway almost kind of like I am with you and we're kind of committed to each other as like boyfriend and girlfriend, or even like when it came to like fiance, but we weren't fully married. And so that felt very out of control for me. It was like, are we in it for the long haul? Like, do I get to keep you forever? Am I going to have this break off? And there was also a previous, uh, let's call it a situationship because it wasn't really a relationship, um, that I had had with a girl prior to Kayla where I was very hurt and I was very, it, it was a situation where I basically thought that we were going to eventually potentially get married because of just certain situations. It, the best way I can put it is like we started as very, very close friends and it just, it just didn't, it didn't go anywhere after that, mainly on her end. And so it, it was really complicated. I wish I could just say like, oh, I just got friend zoned, but there was just like a lot of things that went down with that previous. Anyway, I didn't know why I'm talking about this. I did not plan to talk about that previous relationship, but all this to say, I had kind of come from a place where I felt like I had lost someone really important to me and I didn't want that to happen again. And, and, and even like I lost like a part of my, that, like the emotional intimacy I'd given to somebody, if that makes any sense. Um, and so I really didn't want that to happen again. Um, there was, there was just a lot of things going on during that time. Um, and so, yeah, I was very anxious throughout Kayla and I's relationship. And like she can tell you, even if you go back to our podcast where Kayla was on it, she can tell you like, when we got married, I was a whole new person. And I just think it's by God's grace that she hung on to me while we were in that pre-marriage period. And she saw 
like the light in me, even though I was in so much darkness at that time. Um, and I, again, I do think that was, there was so much spiritual warfare involved in that period of life because I do believe that, um, there was a spiritual enemy out there that did not want Kayla and I getting married. And it's interesting because now they say that once we got married, I, it was insane. Like things broke, things really changed. Like, like my wedding day, our wedding day was one of the most incredible moments of my life just to see how much anxiety like broke at, at it just in the covenant of marriage and like the promises that we made to one another for life to commit ourselves to each other for better, for worse in sickness and health. Like no matter what, like I will be there to with you until the end of when one of us die. And so that was just like such a beautiful thing and a beautiful moment. And I do believe also like there was so much spiritual warfare broken at that time as well, um, which is incredible. And it's like marriage. Yeah. Marriage has just brought so much peace into my life. I, I have to be honest, so much peace into my life. Um, and so has Kayla. Kayla is quintessentially my opposite in so many senses. She is, she's not an anxious person. She is wired to be, she's just very steady, a very steady person. Um, she is, yeah, I'm not going to go on a love fest over my wife, but she is an absolute miracle to me. Um, woo, we are not going to get emotional. Okay. So, um, so I just wanted to kind of, well, I guess I didn't really end my story. I'm going to just say this. I, you know, it, the the most pivotal moment for me was, I believe, when we were married and when I was able to, in the year, the first year of our marriage, I'd say that was the most healing period of time for my anxious mind. And I truly believe so much was healed during that time. Um, and I, I can honestly say to you, sit here and say to you that I do not struggle with anxiety on a daily basis anymore. Of course, anxious thoughts come and go. There, there is some anxiousness that is there occasionally. Um, I think to maybe the extent of what the average person has, but I, I do not daily, hour by hour, minute by minute struggle with anxiety like I used to. You know, I, honestly used to have anxiety every day almost. I, I Mostly every day. It was just a daily battle that I had gotten used to. And what's interesting is that a lot of it wasn't even of the mind sometimes. It was simply physical and it felt very chemical. Um, and that was really, really hard. Um, but I can honestly, praise be to God, say that I don't have that anymore. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. And so I guess... I want to give, by kind of ending this episode, I kind of want to give, let's see here, how many do I have? I have 10. I have 10. I have 10 practical things that really helped me in my battle against anxiety and my mental health struggles. Um, And the reason I have 10 is because if I were to just say, oh, it was this one thing and it happened all at once, it just wouldn't be true. It would not be true. It took a lot of different things. I think all of the things are uh, because of God's mercy to me and God's grace to me and all the prayers that I had prayed and people had prayed for me as well. 
Um, but you know, like it didn't all happen at once and it wasn't just one thing. And so I want to be fair to you and, and give the things that I believe really, really helped me. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk to you about in how you can, how I'm not even going to say you, I'm just going to say this is my story. And if you can glean something from it, awesome. So I had to find a community, number one, that built me up, right? Uh, and so for me, in a big way, and I'm talking community, I'm talking the people around you, of course. So for me, this majorly looked like a wife who loves me and supports me and believes in me and advocates for me and brings me so much peace. You know, I think people spend so much time with friends or sometimes even family or whomever it is or professional peers or whatever who aren't in alignment with their values and beliefs and goals. And it kind of brings them to this place where I speak from experience here. It kind of brings you to this place where you feel bad about yourself after spending time with this type of a community or these types of people or influences for, you know, whatever reason. And maybe it's not that like they're quote unquote bringing you down, but like, for instance, it could, it might not be that they are speaking mean things to you, right? Or they're speaking negative things to you. Cause that can also happen too. But I found that that were, that wasn't really my case. I found in a lot of senses, um, some of it was, it was like certain communities were bringing me down in the sense of like, they were pushing me backwards as a person and they were making me into somebody I wasn't proud of. And when I would spend time with them, I came away of it, came away from it feeling, uh, feeling like I had regressed as a person and as a child of God. And it was like, these are things that I am either saying or partaking in or whatever it is that I don't, I don't like that in myself. Like I, I probably shouldn't be doing it. And it's like, these are like, these are just not good things. You know what I'm saying? And um, I'm not being uh, helped, pulled up by these people. And so I would just say to you, maybe it's a matter of you limiting the time that you spend with these certain certain type of people. Or maybe it's just simply like you finding a brand new community or brand new friends. And maybe there's some people you might have to completely step away from at this point in your life. Because it's like you can't uh, afford to be brought down, right? Hello, my friend. Super duper quick. I chose not to run a single ad on today's episode, which means I'm not making a dime for showing up for you today. In fact, if anything, I'm spending money on showing up for you today because I genuinely love putting this out for you so I can help you grow as much as possible. But I'm going to get vulnerable with a goal I have for this podcast And that's to get us up to 500 reviews on Apple Podcasts by the end of 2023. And here's the thing. We're already so close to 150 at the time I'm recording this. And if everyone listening to this episode put in one written review, we'd easily have enough to blow way past 500 reviews. So the only thing I'm going to ask of you is, if you are loving what you're hearing, would you write me a review and leave me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts? Costs you $0, just 60 seconds, and a quick type of the hand, yet it fuels me to keep showing up for you guys every week and makes a massive difference to getting this podcast out to more entrepreneurs like yourself who need the education and encouragement. 
You have my word. I will personally read your review and each one means the world. So if you're writing a review, think of it as a personal message to me. So thank you to those who have left kind words. You guys are the absolute best. And to everyone else, I can't wait to read yours. So quick pause the episode, go do that quick, and I'll be forever grateful. All right, now back to the show. You know, another thing I would say is to the extent that maybe you kind of get rid of certain influences in your life, I also want you to not be alone too much. Uh, because I know for me, when I was alone, like I had lived alone when I was in Washington, DC. I lived alone when I got my apartment back in Michigan. And, um, I fixed that, like that changed because then I, I got a roommate. Um, but like living alone did not help the anxiety situation. Like that just allowed my mind to wander in all different places. It was just a recipe for disaster. Like, And this kind of does depend on your personality, but I think especially if you're somebody who has any kind of bent towards introversion and being more of an introvert, which means that you don't feel like you need to get out and be with people, it can really be a bad situation for you because you're just always alone and you're just kind of like, yeah, I'm okay with that. But it might be absolutely destroying your headspace because you're just left with your thoughts all day long, right? And even it's so interesting because when it comes to anxiety, a lot of times the reason people have such anxious thoughts that have no merit to them or have no, uh, like these anxious thoughts are basically irrational and they actually continue to dwell on them and believe these anxious thoughts is because they've never spoken them out loud. Um, I remember when I was kind of in these like episodes of anxiety, people would tell me or or um, I would hear tips from people like, speak these things aloud, speak out loud your thoughts and hear how ridiculous they are to yourself or talk to someone and tell them what you're feeling and what you're thinking. And even that alone was massive to just puke your thoughts out and sh- like bring them into the light, right? And have uh, you know, just them out in front of everybody so that you're not sitting there believing the lies because they've never actually come out. So again, I would say get in really good community, get in community that builds you up. Right. And, uh, that's probably one of the biggest things I can tell you. Uh, so number two thing that helped me a lot was finding a grounding distraction. <laughs> so I'm going to be really honest with you on this. And some people might laugh at me. That's okay. I don't care. But my dog, Daisy, is actually an absolute godsend. Like having a dog who is not anxious themselves, like having a pet, having a creature around you who is not anxious themselves. Like my dog is not anxious. She lives in the moment completely. She is excited. She is like, Ooh, what's next? She's like, Oh, look a ball. Ooh, look a squirrel. Oh, look uh, my food. I can't wait to eat my food. Oh, I can't wait to go on a walk. You know, like that is her life. She's not anxious about tomorrow. She's not anxious about five years from now. She's not anxious about what someone thinks about her. She just exists. And it's so, so grounding to spend time with a dog. And I'm not saying like, you spend time, like you have tea with your dog, (laughs) but I'm saying it's really good to have that energy around you, honestly. Um, and even, even in the sense of like, my dog just follows me around all day as I go to work, 
as I go to work, as I, as I do my work, um, I work from home. <laughs> and so it is so grounding just to have my dog around and, and, you know, like maybe there's a moment where I could be caught in distraction with my own thoughts. I could be distracted by my own thoughts and my dog's right there. And it's like, I I'm focusing on her now. I'm not focusing on my lies and thoughts that are in my head. I'm just focusing on like, I don't know, giving her like a scratch under her ears. Like we do not deserve dogs. <laughs> my dog is the sweetest thing and keeps me so grounded. And I'm just going to say like for those of you who maybe struggle with the anxious mind, consider getting a pet that keeps you in the moment and that grounds you. It can work absolute wonders for your mindset. Uh, so number three is fi- fight for what you love to do. Find something that you love and something that you can go all in on, something that you are passionate about. I truly think that for me, when I was so anxious, one of the biggest reasons I struggled with anxiety was that I did not fundamentally believe in what I was doing and I didn't fundamentally have passion and purpose. Hate to like quote my podcast name, but I didn't have those things for what I was doing. And, and potentially, uh, it was because there was some misaligned, uh, vision for my business at the time, or there was some like influences who had told me that like I couldn't make this a full time business, but ultimately that purpose really wasn't there. And even like the passion wasn't there. And so I was kind of just waking up every morning, just like doing the thing, but I I didn't have like that reason of like, I love what I do. I have purpose behind what I do. And that's what gets me out of, out of bed in the morning. Right. Um, that is incredible. Like just something that truly gives you like, yes, I can, I, I, I'm doing this because I love this. Right. Um, and even, and even in the sense of, um, something that you really love, like if you don't love what you do, it's going to be difficult to really commit yourself to it. And so that's why I always tell people never make a decision about your career based on something like the money, uh, make a decision on your career based on what you absolutely love doing. Like try it for free first. And then if you love it for free, that's kind of how you know that you would love to do it when you are paid as well, right? Maybe 10 years from now. Um, so number four, seek professional help if you need to. This one is maybe controversial and I get that, but I just want to tell whoever needs to hear this, there is no shame in seeking professional help for your mental health struggles, okay? You might simply need somebody to check where your body is at, like where maybe even like levels are at. And I'm not saying you have to go to some type of doctor over the other, um, but you honestly might just have a chemical imbalance and need a doctor to help you with balancing that. I know I did. Okay. And you might, it might even be like, Hey, you don't struggle uh, mentally with anxiety, but you might struggle physically with anxiety. Okay. And I know it sounds like, what, aren't those the same thing? I think they're different. I really do. Um, and so even for example, like a therapist who can help you, um, going to counseling on maybe like a weekly basis to really get that professional help, right? People who study these things, people who have been in the medical industry for these things, um, I will say like, I can't speak a lot to the therapy side of things because I've actually never had a therapist. Um, but I've definitely thought about it. And I know many people who have been very helped by therapy. 
I would just warn you or not warn you, but just maybe give you an encouragement. Um, just make sure that whoever you are going to for, whether it's a doctor or a therapist that they, or mainly a therapist that they align with your worldview. Um, that's massive and, and go to a doctor or a professional in the medical field that you trust, that you really trust. Don't just take anything that they say to do or any like pills that they tell you to pop. Like you, you have to be careful. You have to advocate for your own mental health. Um, find doctors. This is my word of advice. Find doctors who want you to get better fundamentally, who want you healed. They don't want you addicted to something. They want you healed and off on your own in the body that God has created you with. Okay. That's what I would advise you with. You don't want to find a doctor who just like gives you something and they're like, Oh, here you go. Go do this. Like go pop this pill and, uh, like hope it helps and masks your symptoms. Um, now I'm, I do not know if that might be some people's only option. I don't know. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that like there's one way to do it and there's one wrong way to do it, but I, I will just say in my experience, as I've see, sought out professional help, it has helped me so much to go to doctors that I fundamentally trust and who fundamentally want to help me with the end goal of getting me better and off on my own. So enough said. Five, have boundaries and self-discipline and self-control and lines that you won't cross, okay? You know, selfishness, the idea, the, the, the concept of selfishness, your own selfishness is a hard taskmaster. You are your own kind of like taskmaster, uh, and your own boss, kind of like bossing yourself around all the time. That's what selfishness is. It's making you a slave to yourself and your impulses and your emotions and your desires and your feelings. And you have to stop, uh, you have to stop just filling your mind with any garbage that it wants to fill itself up with. Okay. So garbage in, garbage out. You've heard that before. So if you're somebody who you're like a, a social media glutton, basically you are just like totally taking way too much social media in, or maybe it's like way too many TV shows or way too many movies or way too many um, like way too much like music and, uh, whatever it is that doesn't help you. And that's actually discouraging you, or it's bringing negativity into your life, or it's bringing something contrary to your worldview into your life, uh, maybe contrary to your faith. I'm just telling you right now that will affect you. It absolutely will affect you. You, if you don't think it will, you should really study the sub subconscious mind. Like if you don't think that you, if, if you think that you can just watch garbage TV shows and garbage movies and read, read garbage books and listen to garbage music and you can do it all under the name of, Oh, it's okay. I have a good self filtration system. I'm just saying this. You are lying to yourself. Absolutely. Because it is not true. Your subconscious mind is absorbing way more than you think it is. And I say this not to call you out. 
I say this to genuinely help you because there were so many things that I was consuming that I should not have been. And I thought they were impacting me, but subconsciously over the long term, they were weighing my heart down and they were not good with good for me. Um, and even, and even, okay, even something like maybe quote unquote, like morally neutral, like social media, you can look at that and you can be like, yeah, it's a good thing in a lot of senses for certain, uh, goals. But if you are going overboard on like your, your intake of social media, you have to have boundaries with it. You absolutely do. Okay. So number six, never, (laughs) and I mean, never, ever, ever sacrifice your mental health or for professional or financial gain or any kind of personal pleasure. Okay. Uh, or whatever it is, like never do it. I'm just going to say this. If something, whether it's like an opportunity in business, whether it's a event that you want to go to, whether it's, uh, you know, like whatever it is, if, if something is costing you your mental health, don't do it. Seriously, don't do it. If you don't have your head, you don't have anything. And I'm not, I'm not talking about things that maybe get you out of your comfort zone in a good way. So like if there's something that like, like if for instance, if reaching out to a vendor makes you a little bit nervous, that's something that I would not categorize in this category. Okay. I'm talking about a situation where like, let's say there is an opportunity, a business opportunity for you. And it's maybe with somebody who you just don't feel like incredible about. And you're like, uh, I don't know, but I'm just going to go through with it because like the financial gain just sounds really good or like the professional, I don't know, like gain sounds really good or something. If it makes you anxious to maybe partner up with that person or take the opportunity or whatever it is, don't do it. Seriously, do not do it. Your mental health is more important than the opportunity. If, if you, you could have the whole world, if you don't have your mental health, you really have nothing. And I'm sure you, if you've ever dealt with mental health struggles, you know that. So just kind of, kind of as a word of warning, don't ever sacrifice your mental health for any sort of advancement. Uh, all right, number seven. Uh, this one's kind of an obvious one. Exercise. That is my alarm. So sorry. Um, but exercise and eat clean and protect your sleep. Okay? So... You've got to do these things because they are, they are like scientifically beneficial. Um, like even if, if you can get your blood pumping, if you can go on walks, if you can, uh, you can go on runs, if you can, uh, like lift weights, whatever that is, do it. Uh, it's massively going to help you with your mental health. Like it helps me so much to exercise. Um, also eat clean. Like again, it's kind of like garbage in, garbage out once again. Um, and then protect your sleep. If you're not sleeping well, it's kind of a recipe for disaster for your mental health. So got to protect your sleep, guys. You got to do it. Don't, don't be one of those like 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. people. Like you got to protect your sleep. Um, all right. Number eight. So have purpose and drive and motivation for something. So this one's very linked to number three, where I was like, have like a passion for something. But this, I guess, is a little bit less about like a pleasure and like all that. And it's more about like, have a, uh, what would I say? Like be driven for something almost because it's mandatory for you and your lifestyle. Okay. So for me, uh, when I got married, this helped me a lot because I was like, all right, I got to provide for my family. I got to put 
food on the table. I got to pay bills. And it's not that my wife wasn't working at the time, but like I, this was just something for me that I, I knew I wanted and I knew I wanted to provide for my wife and eventually one day kids. And I was like, I got to provide. So there's really not an option there. And, um, it caused me to really find a drive and determination, like no, like nothing else before I was like, I'm doing this. I got to do this. I have no option. If I don't do this, the bills won't be paid. Uh, the vacations will not be went on the, like maybe we wouldn't even be able to pay for food or something like that. I don't know if it got really that bad. And so it was like, Hey, I had to do this. I didn't have time to sit and worry and be anxious because the, uh, what would I say? The things that were glaring in front of me, uh, the essentials, the necessities that I had to get done, just that's all I had space for, like mental space for. It was like, go do it. You don't have time to worry about it, right? Massive, massive help. So if you can somehow, uh, get yourself in a situation, like, like for instance, like, I'm not going to say to put yourselves in these situations if you're very mentally unstable, but I guess what I'm saying is like, if you are mentally unhealthy and the majority of that is because you don't really need to get up in the morning and work, that's a massive indicator to me that like, it would be beneficial for you to like, I don't know, maybe move out of your parents' house if you're living with them or something like that. Like you got to find enough self-motivation from some circumstance in your life that is really forcing you to get your booty out of bed and get to work and do the thing that you got to do. Okay. So number nine, written to the end here. Um, this one is especially for young 20 somethings because that's really when kind of like the time when my anxiety really started. I want you to stop letting people tell you that you have to have your whole freaking life plan figured the crap out and that you can't make a wrong step and that you're going to crash and burn if you don't do the next year right. And that if you're not a millionaire by 25, you've no hope. Stop letting people tell you that. Please, for the love of all that is good and pure, stop letting people tell you that. I cannot tell you how many how many how many people made me feel like that in like my early 20s and it's like chill the frick out i am in my early 20s i am figuring things out and by the way i say this like so upset because i felt like it really added to my anxiety right it and unnecessarily added to my anxiety and i think it adds so much anxiety to young 20 somethings and those who are just getting started in their career and have no idea what they should be doing right you okay I, you may look at me and be like, wow, like Nate Chansky, like really knows what he's doing with his career or whatever. Da, 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 da. If you were to go back and just like meet me at age 23, you would see a kid who has no freaking clue what he's going to do with the next 10 years of his life, who's crashed and burned multiple times and failed multiple times. And <laughs> like, you've got to chill out. You just have got to chill out. You will figure things out. The Lord will guide you in the right way. He has a plan and a purpose for you. And so you just, (laughs) you don't have to do it perfect, my friend. You don't have to do it perfect. It's a journey. Every step along the way, even your failures, they are pointing you to something, okay? You don't need to do it fast. You don't need to do it perfect. 
you've got this. I just want to encourage you in that. And by the way, even if, even if you're like, you, even if you're 29 and you're my age, like, and you still don't have it all figured out, that's fine. That is totally fine. Some people don't figure out their lives. I read this book. I think it was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And it said basically something like, I wish there was a stat on women, but there, it was a stat, I think, on men. And it basically said like, most of the, most men actually don't find their professional stride until 40s. <laughs> 40s. Okay. Just crazy to me. Right. So you're fine. You've got this. And even if you're over 40, you still got this. So number 10, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not even sorry, but I'm going to hit you <laughs> with the Jesus card. Like number 10 is the most influential thing for me has been to run to Jesus and to run to him and ask him to save you from your mental health struggles. He is the savior of the world. And I 1000% believe he is responsible for all the things that I just listed above. And all those prayers were answered in many different ways and many different times in different circumstances. Um, and you might be like, well, why didn't he just snap his fingers and then he could like heal you from all of this in a second? Um, yeah, you know what? I, I sometimes wonder that too, but here's my thing. If that happened, this podcast right here that I'd be sharing with you would be freaking short and probably not helpful or relatable to any of you. And maybe some of you, I bet, really needed to hear this episode. And so if Jesus just snapped his fingers when I asked him the first time to relieve me of my anxiety, then I would never be able to relate to you on this level. I'd never be able to maybe help you in this level. Um, I remember I read this article once and like more power to this guy who wrote this article, but he was basically, it was like this article um, that was basically saying, uh, this is how I was healed from my anxiety. Like one time he just asked, he was like driving home and he like asked God if he would, sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't even say it in, as if it's like uh, funny or, you know, I shouldn't condescend or anything like that. But basically he said, I was driving home and I asked the Lord to save me from my anxiety and mental health. And I went home that night and I never experienced any anxiety again. And I just remember reading that and I just remember being like, nice for you, but that's a very uninspiring story in a lot of senses. So great. You know what I'm saying? And so and again, more power to this guy, like God bless him. I'm so happy that that happened for him, but it really wasn't something that I could relate to at all. And it, it made me feel honestly, kind of alone reading something like that because my story wasn't like that at all. And so the Lord did answer my prayer and the Lord did, he, he did that in, in many different ways. And maybe it was over a period of time and that's different than maybe this guy's story, but I'm thankful for my story. I'm thankful for what God has brought me through. Um, and I truly believe he is to thank for all of it. So here's where I want to just kind of encourage you today to end this episode Whatever you're going through right now, I want you to give yourself grace. You know, like you can only do, if you are in the thick of a mental health battle right now, you can only do what you can do right now, okay? Uh, there are seasons of life where you can run 10 miles per day, and there are seasons where just taking one step is something to be incredibly, incredibly thankful for. Um, I know that from experience, I could look back at certain times in my life and be so frustrated that I wasn't like 
killing it in the professional entrepreneur space. And I wasn't making these massive business moves and I wasn't, uh, climbing my corporate ladder at the time, or I wasn't, you know, doing all these big things. And you know what? It's okay. There's seasons for everything. And, and you might be in a season of battle and struggle right now. And that might be, that might be your season, right? Um, but that might be where God has you for some purpose, for some eternal purpose, right? Um, and then maybe the second little encouragement is whatever your battle is, no matter how hopeless it is and no matter how debilitating your mental health struggle seems to be, I just want to tell you and encourage you that there is hope and I am living proof that there is hope. And I wish I could go back and tell a younger version of myself, you're going to make it through and there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You won't have to live with this forever. And uh, there's so much grace available to you. So I really hope this helps whoever's listening. I don't know who needs to hear this, but thank you for letting me share my story. I really appreciate it. And if you want to share this with a friend who needs to hear this, go right ahead. But I'm rooting for you and uh, I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. And I will catch you guys later. <laughs>